Hi Chinyamaji listeners, another great week, another great oldie but goodie episode. We had the privilege of hosting Lois Majanja, head of product at Ajua, formerly called Msavi. Lois's story is one that is quite relatable. The struggle of a young person in a foreign land with a hunger to make things happen. Enjoy the podcast. Hello everybody, this is the Chinyamaji podcast with Impact Africa Network. Uh, this week we have the pleasure of hosting an awesome uh, I guess, tinkerer, practitioner, professional, startup, uh, uh, startup dude. Um, yeah, Louis yeah. Majanja, who's the chief product officer at M Survey. Yeah. So you're the second M Survey guest we've heard. I guess yeah. you guys. I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm, I have a bias towards M Survey. I'm a big fan of, of your whole team and what you guys are doing. So yeah. you're the first startup that has had two people on the podcast oh okay so there you go um but yeah louis majanja um you're somebody i i I respect somebody who i definitely think is super smart and uh, very capable we have a similar background in terms of just you know growing up in kenya and going to spend some years in a similar geography and then making the move back so So that ties us together again. But anyway, um, I guess once you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and how you ended up, you know, I, I guess start with, you know, where you grew up and uh, your journey into so, um, life. I, I'm from Nairobi. You know, Nairobi kid. Born and raised here in Nairobi. I uh, went to government schools. And which school did you go to, by the way? I, I'm trying to I'm trying to pinpoint which kind of school you just, went. To. Just government schools. <laughs> That's good enough. Started off with city council and just, yeah and yeah government schools throughout and then uh, then um, which were great and I think a great experience, great grounding and f- understanding the world and you know interaction with different types of people and people from different backgrounds. Then. Uh, Moved to the U.S. Uh, in the ni- early 90s, I think. There was a lot of turmoil at that time in the country, and a lot of people were looking for alternatives to see, you know, it was not... I don't think at that time, yes, everybody said they were going to university, mm-hmm. but that was just a channel to, like, hey, how can we... Get out there. Get out, you know, and I'm sure people... And I, I'm sure the, the parents who were sending their children were hedging hey, let's put somebody out there who can probably... Pull the family out if need be. Get a job and, you know, subsidize or keep things going while, you know, we're in this other struggle out here. So so I was part of that era of people trying to, you know, find a way. Uh, so and in the 90s, those are those. I feel, I feel like the 90s had a massive uh, move in that yeah, direction. Yeah, massive yeah. immigration. But, you know, it's funny because I, I remember in the 90s, you know, I obviously moved and other people, and I also met somebody who told me, like, what do you mean? Life was good, man. I had money. What are you guys talking about? Really? <laughs> so a lot of these struggles are individuals. I think everybody's struggling. You just don't know other people who... No, but I, I think, you know, there's, there's systemic and then there's individual, but yeah. I, I think those are, those are the exception, not the yeah. rule. I mean, the That's rule true. was... That's true. People are not yeah. happy, happy. But I, I just still remember meeting somebody and telling me, what? Yeah. You're mad at me because life was good? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good for you. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I was part of that era of people uh, moving and then obviously went to the US and, you know, these things, processes and all that people do, but in terms of career, college, I I started off, I mean, you know, in the US, depending on situations, you start off with community colleges and that's, that's really where I started. So where did you end up in the States? I ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Jesus Christ. Albuquerque, okay. New Mexico. So New Mexico is a beautiful state. Very... Uh, as Scenic, Kenyan, right? As a Kenyan, it's actually shocking when you go there because uh, the first thing you encounter is adobes. And what? Adobe. Adobe. Tree. Adobe houses. Houses? Adobe architecture. Hats? Which is... What? Adobe is mud, but it's yeah. not mud, mud, but it's, you know, rammed architecture. You know, so in your mind, you're, you know, when moving to America, I'm going to this place where there's skyscrapers, New York. That's, you know, that's what comes yeah. to mind. <laughs> then you go to this city, which half the city is Adobe. Adobe. Uh, Interesting. Which city Adobe? is this? It's Albuquerque. Albuquerque. You know, okay. Adobe right. structures. And, 
you know, you're kind of confused. It's like, man, I didn't know America. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Adobe. It's beautiful. It's nice, but it does not. It's visually does not match what you thought America was. Yeah. You know, but it was a great place. Uh, I, you know, I went to a community college. I, I've there. always, I've always associated New Mexico with that Breaking Bad show. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched that show specifically because I could see places that were familiar. We're familiar with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but the, the thing about New Mexico too was, uh, I mean, if you look at the whole tech era, I mean, it didn't, it, tech in America keeps on evolving, mm. and there are many eras. And if you think about the PC era, was also the semiconductor era. Right. right. So that's when uh, all the big companies there, the Intels, were building these large farms. Mm. So Albuquerque was the center of that whole. Uh, is that, farm, is that crazy? I think I think also Bill Gates started his yeah, yeah, Microsoft yeah, in yeah, New Mexico, right? Yeah. Which is nuts when you think about it. Yeah. Right now. And then also if you think about tech in in the U.S., a lot of it kind of originated in these research labs. So Albuquerque, yeah. there is uh, Sandia National Lab. And then there's also Los Alamos. Ah, okay. So Los Alamos, I guess, is where they came up with the first nuclear bomb. But there's Los Alamos. So there's a huge community Scientific, of, of, you know, research, research tech. scientists and tech over there. Okay. But there's also a huge disparity in, in terms of who has access and who doesn't have access. So, um, yeah. So typically in the U.S., you know, as immigrants, you're working and going to school. And I actually, my first real, real... I mean, these are small, small jobs there, but my first real job was, I was a machinist. Okay. I used to, uh, basically machinist is, uh, you work in a manufacturing operation, and when something breaks down, it's not like you can go buy a spare, you have to build it. You have to create it yourself. You have to create it. So that was, that was my job, you know. So what, what type of, I guess, things would you guys create? Tractor? No, the, the, the company I was working for was a pen manufacturing. Pen. Pen. Manufacturing. Okay, wow. Assembling pens. Mm. Yeah. So, and a lot of, also if you think about industry in, in, in the U.S., uh, for a long time, a lot of, uh, most of it had a, a legacy from Second World War, mm. where a lot of industry was targeted towards building the war the machines. The war airports, yeah, yeah. And then after that, they were repurposing Retrofit, a lot of... Yeah that machine for civilian uses. Okay. So you'd find a lot of old machinery that had been repurposed. Mm. You know, so again, that comes in that you need people who can there are no spare parts. Mm. You can go on the shelf and buy, you have to, you have to make build those things. <laughs> so how did you get this job? This is a very interesting Um again, um so I I went to the US when I was a teenager and you know the kind of work that you do, I mean, everybody starts working very early in the US. Mm. So, 16, 17, 18 year olds, you work at McDonald's or you, I was sucking groceries. You know, like when people yeah. shop, yeah. you know, bagging um, groceries. And uh, what happened was that because, and most of the people who are doing that work are. They, they just they do that work to just have extra money to spend. I needed the money to live. To live. So what I would do is I would get a lot of hours from other people so I could accumulate my time. Right. So you could... And yeah. so I, I'd work at I'd work the odd hours, like the morning shift. And then one day, I, I think there was... After a while, you get to know people and, you know, hey, you seem to be here every very early. So you get talking when you're shopping out with a shopping cart and say, yeah... You know, I have school, so I have to work my time, and you know, oh great. So I started talking and say, oh, I own this factory where we manufacture pens, and uh, we're always looking for people. Why don't you come by and go there and do the family owned business? And we instantly got a rapport, and they brought me on board. Nice. Actually, I, event I eventually ended up running a lot of the manufacturing operations and actually helped move that factory from, you know. But in between that, I was a machinist. One of the things that we're doing with, with machines was doing, uh, they have this PLCs, Programmable Logic Controllers, and trying to automate some of the machinery. So I started getting into the, 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 the programming and trying to see how this thing works. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, what used to happen was that, I mean, 
the, the U.S. government and the big like Walmart, and if you're selling to those, uh, they, are, they already have an EDI system, electronic data interchange. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need all their orders are like electronic. Like if you're going, you're gonna be a vendor for a Walmart, you gotta be or ready for that. Target yeah. or any of those big companies, or even the U.S. government, they first say, "Hey, these are the prerequisites." Some of which are, "Do you have this EDI software?" Mm-hmm. The way that used to work was that because the software was so expensive, you used to have to subscribe to a system or an aggregator that you system communicates to in order to, to check and place orders. Now, that company was small, so we decided to build our own. Now, to the, build your own yeah, to, it was a, connector? Yeah, connector. Now, if you think about how the internet was working at the time, was, right. was people used to have bulletin board systems. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. essentially, it was a terminal that you used to connect a remote terminal to connect to the internet, mm-hmm. and the internet was was uh, text. Yeah, text yeah. heavy. Yeah, so it, was it was all it was hypertext like, and all that. Hi- not even no, it was terminal. Like you know, you know the command mm-hmm. shell. Mm-hmm. You know, you click something and you get a menu. You say, hey, I want to download games. Click on that link, it takes you to the link. Then you can click, and, and there are all these things you could chat, you could do all these things. Yeah, it was yeah. all command line, there was no browser. Right. They, there were some browsers, but they're not like their browser today. Yeah. You know? uh, so we had to build that, and we, we had to, and also at that time, Linux was still very, very new. dominant. Yeah, it, okay. No, it wasn't even it wasn't dominant. dominant? That was for hackers. That was some people like you gotta be it's like blockchain right now. Yeah, you gotta be like <laughs> coming back. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. These guys are you know engineers. They have they work at the research labs. You know, so you find and then the obviously uh, the semiconductor. You know, I know Philips had a semiconductor facility. Intel had a semiconductor facility. Uh, those. Companies which have gone out of business, DEC, all those hard fabs. In so even the community college I was going to, their major, my major was electronics, okay. electronics to, engineering, to, to, to feel, because yeah. we were the ones feeding the pipeline for the people yeah. going to work yeah. in the in the fabs. Isn't that interesting? How in the in the in the states at least, mm-hmm. uh, the universities and the education system is kind of downstream to the industry that's dominant in that particular city. Right? Yeah. I find that so practical and awesome. Yeah. But if you compare with our own situation over here, we still haven't figured that part out. Maybe because we don't have... A, maybe Oh, you know what we have? Oh. We have that, uh, that banking institution over there on Thicker Road. Yeah. What's, it, what's that thing called? Um, Kenya Institute of Kenya Monetary Studies. Yeah. Right? There, there are many of those. I, I think there just needs to be a lot of... Uh, if I... People, the word people use now is intentional. There's no intentional effort in terms of these things. It's almost, I think in Kenya we are very, I think there's a lot Reactive. of luck. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of luck that somebody somewhere thought about this, then people built around it. But there's a lot of things that, assets that we have as a country that I think we can really, really optimize to grow the economy, to create right. opportunities for people. So, like what, for example? If Man, number one asset that we have is the post office. That's a huge asset that should be an engine of e-commerce, not just Kenya, but Africa. Mm-hmm. Just like the way the U.S. post, post office yeah, has they, re- refitted itself to you th- you think of, You think that. about the post office in Kenya. You know, one, it has got the distribution. Totally. It has the tr- infrastructure. Okay, trust yeah. is iffy, but you can build a trust. Right. It's a hundred-year-old institution. Right. You know, the people have a way in which they can send something, collect it, store it, pick it up, that exists. Uh, so if you're thinking about, you know, there's a lot of e-commerce in Kenya that is driven by, you think about, uh, they call them aggregators, you know? I mean, the poster should be the ultimate aggregator. Yeah, probably, that's probably not gonna happen, just because <laughs> no, it's just, behind that thing, you know, you know, you know so maybe it's you, then, you and I then, then it should be the link between, you know, the deliveries, the border border guys should you know probably be connected to a post office where they can deliver and have this whole logistics hub, 
But you do, do you realize? I mean, think um, about think about the mindset, right? Not, not. I mean, you and I know this is a fact. Yes, but I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not dealing I'm not dealing with with the mindset. I'm just saying these are the assets we have. The potential. <laughs> are the assets we have, for example, Camry. Camry is a huge asset. And actually, when I think about Msave in our early years, a lot of the business we did was medical research. And so when we're, when we're looking at our business and seeing the opportunity and you see how much money researchers, the U.S., the collab... So, so something like Cambridge relies on collaborations with... Uh, actually, a big chunk of it is funded by the U.S. Army. Interesting. Yeah, U.S. Army. In fact, a lot of Cambridge employees work for the U.S. Army. You know, then you have CDC. Those are research collaborators. Then you CDC? have, I think, the British Commonwealth Development. I don't oh, okay. So you see that one. C- okay. Some CDC, and then there's a lot of this U.S. Center of Disease Control. Because what happens? Oh, the is disease control guys. Okay, all right. Okay. There are illnesses that are global, and they have to do research. But because for scientists in the U.S., it's more lucrative for them to deal with cancer. Right. There's, so they outsource this. So uh, things like malaria, the, the very people in the U.S. care about that, yeah, you know. But okay. the U.S. Army goes and fights everywhere in the world, so they have to be. Pre- so ah, things like leish, leishmaniasis, you know, is common in in the Middle East. So when they were fighting there, they had to do a lot of research and find the medicines here in Kenya, for instance. Interesting. But that's, I mean, this is just, uh, but if you think about wider scale, there's a nucleus where we can create a whole biotech industry. Yeah, yeah. But who's thinking about those things? Yeah. That's just one. You're looking at uh, even just the financial system. You know, it can be the nucleus for, obviously it's happening, fintech in Africa, but it's not very intentional, like say, hey, we're going to be the centers for this. Well, how, 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 let me ask a question. This is important. So, so obviously we know it's a mindset thing, mm-hmm. right? Part of it is exposure. If you were to, if you had one, a magic wand or a wish list mm-hmm. of the one thing you would move, right, to get this reality starting to move in the direction, of the, what's the thing you would change? I don't know. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I, I don't know, and I'm 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 trying not to. I, I think one of the things is um, that I've learned is and, and that keeps me going is uh, not to be cynical. But I think Lewis cyni- Matthew, you, cynic, you, cynicism it, can yeah. can finish you, especially if you're an, uh, an entrepreneur. You can't be cynical so, because so if, if, cynical, if, for example, if so I start telling you, okay. Mm-hmm. There's this opportunity here. We could have done this. Mm. Then you start, you start multiplying it by okay, it's one, two. Then after that, it's like man, there's just too much shit that we not uh, cannot do that is wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so you end up going into that negative cycle, cycle, you know. So yeah, there's many things we can do, but uh, sometimes you try to focus and uh, what on you the things do. you can do. And, and I learned that. When I moved to Kenya, I mean, and some experiences like I used to take matatu mm-hmm. every time, and you know sometimes you encounter things that are just unjust, wrong, you know. The, the uh, my fair this guy refused to give me change or just change me or something, and for me it was like it's not about the tender. This is my change. This is, <laughs> I literally one time got into a fight over tender. <laughs> But it was me. But I'm looking around and people are looking like, this is a, this guy is crazy. You know? It's a principle of the thing. But it's a principle of the thing. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to choose my battles. You can choose your battles, man. For real. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not religious or in any sense of the way. or you know. But I, I think the one thing that resonated with me was this. They call it the serenity prayer. Mm. Grant, is it going Grant to... me the... <laughs> the you know... The things that I can change and accept the things that I can't. The wisdom. The wisdom. Yeah. yeah. So like, okay, this, these things. No, this one is deeper than I'm gonna have to spend my whole life trying to change that. Yeah. And there are people whose life mission is to do that, mm-hmm. and I'll support them. Mm-hmm. You know. But this other thing, I can I can focus my energies and be able to make mm-hmm. a change around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you gotta pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Know, know your strengths. Yeah. Uh, everybody's yeah. called to, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. to do different things but now back to kind of like so if we can just summarize so what did you take away from your experience in New Mexico and then what did you that, that's, that's how I learned to write software and, and really get into I mean I built we built this system for electronic data interchange 
Uh, I learned about Linux. We actually, I mean, back, uh, I'm, I'm probably putting a date on how old I am, is we were downloading Linux and you'd have to download at almost 56 KB. 56 images so you can put them on a floppy disk so that you can then install them on a computer and it will take you the whole day. You put a floppy disk, you start formatting, mm. format the hard drive. Disk 1, disk 2, disk 3, disk 50. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one is corrupted. Oh, <laughs> damn. Okay. But it was an interesting thing. Being early in the in the world of Linux and seeing the whole community, the tech community at that time, working with you know building just called a, a bulletin board system, you're building your own the early version of ISPs. Pretty much when you're building an ISP, you used to have to modems and you put the modems. You have a phone line, you you put modems and you have you know it hands. So when somebody calls in, you know, mm. and then you get on the BBS and then you can go online and. Actually, even at that point, I was in the US, but I could see that there were some people in Kenya who were online at the time. Interesting. <laughs> there were some people in Kenya who were already online, who are, I don't know who they are, but uh, where they are, but I could see, because the way the internet was, there was a lot of nodes around the globe. Yeah. And so in Africa, there were very few nodes, but there were people in Kenya who were on the internet at the time. And, you know, I never got in touch with them, but I could see, hey, he's a server based in Kenya. Probably it was UN or something. Yeah, probably. But there were people in yeah. Kenya at that time who were already online. And I'm talking about this is 93, 94. Damn. You know. So, so, so fast forward to, then you moved, how did you move out? So of obviously I'm working and, uh, and, and, you know, my primary job role is not necessarily to be software engineer. I was a machinist. And then uh, gradually I moved into the logistics part of the business. So but I was still developing software because to make it to to make my work easy, which is, you know, for the manufacturing, trying to develop our in house. I didn't even know they called them ERPs, but I built the software for that. Mm. You know, like at that time Just solving problems basically. Just solving problems that time you're using Visual Basic because oh I can use this. Yeah. You know, it was still early in the game at that time for VB. Um, you know, just solving problems with with that was not my main job. So I the company, I think we got new investors and we had to move it. I told you I was managing logistics. So, so how long were you the company for? You clearly you... I was, I mean, I said that I was there, I was doing these things when I was a teenager. By the way, I was 18, 19. Uh, so uh, then we moved the factory to Reno, Nevada because okay. we had an investor who bought the company. Yeah. So we packed the whole factory into trucks. Reno, um, man, that's the son of the one of the the son of the owner drove one truck. I drove the next truck, and we landed, set up. Now there are also a lot of learnings in that area because, so part of the you know in the US or I guess even anywhere in the world, you just don't open a warehouse, put a factory in there, and start business. You have to get your permits. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to the you know the city. Mm -hmm. The city, the permit process, you go right. to the hearing of the city council, right. you know, you get signatures from people in the neighborhood. But I, I, I learned a lot because also what happened in that period of time, uh, so what I learned is a lot of local government in the U.S. is really driven by, the number one thing they're trying to do is increase the tax base. Mm-hmm. How can we get businesses set up here to create jobs, increase the tax base, and also they're always trying to increase the property values. I mean, when you're in, 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 in conversations with the city authorities, that is the number one thing they're always talking about. Mm. To, you know, increase the jobs, to increase the tax base, increase property values, because if the property values go up, they increase the tax, tax base. Yeah, yeah. That's all the conversation wow. they talk about. So they also had this Economic Development Association of Western Nevada. So I am I'm a 19-year-old and I'm called, oh, we want you to become part of this, you know, because we're trying to grow the business environment in, in, in this northern Nevada. Northern Nevada. It's like, wow, I felt... But it was a learning experience because right. even at that point, they were trying to see the ecosystem of not just... At that time, I'm not thinking startups, I'm not thinking about... Mm -hmm. just talking, hey, this is a business you're building. And mm -hmm. This whole government process that supports that mm -hmm. and how that works it was really eye-opening for me at that, at that age. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so we set up the factory and kept running it. But I've always been involved 
So obviously, I got into this subculture of technology, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know. So if you think about in the nineties, the big things was PCs, and you you would find that um, people were getting on uh, buying computers, home computers, uh, getting online, you know. So in terms of the ideas and the adventures and the things you we were experimenting with were. One, hey, your friend needs a computer. You order all the parts and assemble it for them. Mm. Because if they go online to Dell, it's too get expensive. Too expensive. Yeah, I remember that. So that was a, a side hassle that was pretty common. Like, okay. We used to build computers for people, right. you know? Wow. And then, uh, so you set, set understanding the whole supply chain. Who, where do you get these motherboards? Where do you get this memory from? You start understanding a lot of that stuff. Mm. Then also, it was also the era of, of when electronics, you know, like, the CDs, the DVDs, and all that stuff. So you start seeing how all that, all those things are put together. So you could actually call, get parts, and actually build your own CD player if you really Amazing. wanted to. Amazing. You know. Yeah. So that was the 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 environment that I was in, and that sometime now the whole dot com thing is bubbling up. There's Netscape. Now the first browser I remember is when my friend at University of New Mexico came to me. He's like, man, there's this interesting thing. You know, he brought some floppy drives and he had to, I think it was was very interesting because you had to install this software first, then install the browser. Those two places. I mean, I think when I think about it, it was really, really complicated. Right. You know. Anyway, so that was that era. And then after a while, it's like, you know, obviously I outgrew working at that place. I went to, I was still trying to focus on going to school so i said okay let me spend some time um in school so i enrolled at university of nevada reno to try to keep my you know you know you always have that guilt about finishing school yeah <laughs> you know but gotcha. again i got drawn into the whole uh, software part which is education uh, so what happened because the state of nevada is huge they had this remote learning centers where they didn't have teachers but they used to be able to stream lectures so i got involved in building building that and um and you know just involved in the whole e-learning and the early stages of that and at that point i was i mean i was doing software but i was never i was not getting paid as a software developer then at some point i remember getting a random call from the bay area Mm-hmm. From, from San Francisco, hey, uh, hey, we got your name from a database. We are hiring people. Do you want to come? Yeah, like it. That sounds good. And say, ask how much are you paying? They told me the amount. <laughs> you packed your bags. <laughs> I didn't even submit my uh, uh, resignation. <laughs> okay, I resigned, but my apartment and everything. I said, you know what? I'll take care of this later. I just <laughs> so funny. Got on a plane and. Boom. And, you know, reported my job at HP. Nice. <laughs> Which was in San Jose or? HP in Palo Alto. Palo Alto. So okay. now that's when my life in the Bay Area started. So it was now at the peak of the dot com, the first dot com boom. You know, mm. it was like all these companies, everybody's just excited. Mm. Everybody has an idea, and, you know. Uh, so yeah, I went to work for HP. It wasn't really. It was still a well-known tech company at the time, a desirable place. But also there are many learnings in in that process because they hired me to develop some software in-house. But when I went there, I realized that I wasn't really where the action was. Ah, yeah. You're in the the warehouse, if you will, but, you know, people were... I was developing software (laughs) to serve... The community of HP employees, yeah? Yeah. That's not Not necessarily... (laughs) Developing the products that they sell, yeah. involving the product that they sell. You're not in the front line at all, yeah. So it was kind of, but compared to where I was and what they were paying me, it was, it was a move ahead. Yeah, but then the project they actually gave me to work on was some software to manage the relocation, global relocation, relocations, because these big companies have people all over the world, and so it's a whole logistics of moving people like from. You know, hey, we have an office. This guy has been promoted. He needs to move to France. This person in France is coming to Alto. You know, so they had this software, this which had all these approvals. 
So working on software actually gave me access to, you know, I thought I was getting paid very well. <laughs> then I saw what people are getting paid, I was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Reality check. <laughs> um, you know, so it's kind of like, you know. So anyway, I, I think at that point, the dot-com boom was high. How much do you want? Now we'll give you this amount of money. But you know, in your mind, when you decide that you don't want to work at a place, you right. just don't want to. No amount of money will yeah, yeah. change your mind. So I actually went to work on uh, for a different... I don't know what what it is about education that always drew me in. Interesting. I went to work for uh, some this university in 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 San, in San Francisco that was experimenting with an e-learning platform. This e-learning theme is kind of following you around. Yeah, yeah but I'll come back to it. Mm. You know, they were experimenting with this thing, and they, you know, obviously most people they were not they were having a hard time finding people because of dot com and everybody's on. When work with yeah, nobody wanted to work at a university doing e-learning. That's not know? interesting. And actually, when I filled in the application, you know, actually the funny thing is when I went uh, for the interview, I actually met somebody that knew my brother from Kenya who was working, who was a student there. And he was like, wow, when I saw this name, it looked familiar, but I just said, oh, you know, the world is big. And he said, man, this guy thought you were from Eastern Europe or something. <laughs> That's why they even called you for an interview. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that name, your name. Oh, like what? So, you know, so anyway, you, yeah. anyway, I worked there. It was nice and everything. But we How developed long did you work this for? probably a year, two years. Okay. But we developed this software, which uh, so literally that doubled the intake of the university. Wow! Like you know, if the intake of the university was five thousand, they suddenly had five thousand more. International students, mostly from Asia. Mostly from Nigeria. For Asia, Asia. Oh, Asia. Asia okay. Asia. All right. Okay. And like, I was sitting here, dude. I'm responsible for moving the needle, the intake of this university. So, what did that do for you mentally? How did you? I wasn't. I mean, I didn't. I was excited about building something that has is having an impact. Right. You know, I was excited about being on the front lines of interesting technology. Right. And the good thing there was had a lot, had a lot more freedom okay. to do stuff. Which school was this? Yeah, it's university called uh, Golden Gate University. Golden Gate, okay. Yeah. All right, interesting. They do law? law. Yeah, law, business. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are some undergrad courses too. Okay. But yeah. So, I mean, that was, it was very exciting. But now, here's what building all that, I was like, I started using the same code base to build a social network. <laughs> so you I built the guy. <laughs> I, I built a social network. What was it called? It's called Mlevi.com. You're the Mlevi guy? Yeah, I built Shit, that. Louis. <laughs> oh, you know that? Dude, that thing was big at some point, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I, I used the same code base that I was using to build this e-learning platform. Mlevi.com, my goodness. Dude, that thing was big in the States, man. Now, the thing about it is that when I look back, I mean, kept on evolving, but everything that Facebook did does or does today is you are doing that shit isn't it bro i built that yo man this is crazy <laughs> this is that this is a reveal right now yeah. who knows this about you you're the living guy yo and you know what i remember thinking because I, I i never got onto it yeah because i was like yeah i'm levy's weird it's it's like a I didn't identify with being <laughs> me neither but you know <laughs> where did the name come so from my friend i built this and the branding was actually my friend my friend's his name is leo and we did Leo Fire. Yeah, so oh, we, I, I, I bet it's Leo Fire. Jesus so Christ. We, we built this together. He was more on the branding side and the whatever. <laughs> but I remember we'd sit, I'd be here and I'd be on the phone, then say, okay, I'm driving down to LA because he lived in LA at the time. So we'd, I'd drive down and we'd work on some shit and say, okay, we're launching you know, something new. And But it was, you know, it was just that excitement. You know, we wake up and then we had a counter day. Yeah. At some point we had, okay. Those numbers don't look big today, but at that time they were huge. We had fifteen thousand people. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's we had fifteen thousand people. And it, you know, for me it was interesting because at, at that point I was in America, but I was not really tied into the Kenyan community. Mm, interesting. So yeah, this but, was. But Leo was very much. Was he more tied into that? More I mean, tied, especially in LA area. But me personally, so that was my first. All this time I'd been in the US almost nine, ten years. 
and this was my first encounter of hey okay there's actually a community of Kenyans here in the US mm. but also that thing was not happening in, in isolation because there are not there were, at that time there were other quote unquote social networks yeah, yeah. Black Planet and College yeah, yeah. Club and you know those interesting things but I think we're on the front lines of you something the front line, now th- there's some lessons I learned from that in mm. the sense that um, so people will come to us and say man you guys are so talented you need to go solve a bigger problem who are these people? Just uh, all the Kenyans at the time who were in the tech field or okay. all the, you know. So there was, even that time, there was just no linkage. I mean, some, sometimes it's, it, show, it, it sounds weird, but I was in Silicon Valley. I was in the Bay Area. You were in the heartbeat, but you are not connected. But you're not connected. Exactly. That's and, the Silicon Valley experience. Even, even that connection, even, even there are people, not just Africans, people of color, whatever, or minorities, who are there, but... You, there's, there's levels to this. There's right? levels to this game. So you got into Google when Google was... You're not part of that story no. that, <laughs> hey, when we were in the garage or when we had this shark or right. we were just here. Right. You're there when, okay, now we had a formal process you put in your application. That's how they hired you. So you're different. You're a different race. <laughs> you're a different... You came in on a different level. <laughs> you, you're not that... You, uh, through the, the rough times or quote-unquote the rough times, mm. you know. So, um, but... There was just nobody out there who could see that, wow, this something thing here. can actually be big. Or people are saying that this thing is actually, this is nice, but it's useless, you know. Right, there's no commercial value. And, and there's somebody, you know, there's a famous a quote about, you know, the future comes looking like a toy. Mm. You know, mm. and uh, I, I see it a lot here when you find some people working on something and people will trash it like right. oh, this guy's not serious it's not a real business right, right, right. you know instead of saying okay this is something interesting are people using this thing right are people interested in this thing okay how can it make it bigger how can we flip the thing you know so what so, happened to me so this is so fascinating so what happened it just died because there was you know at that time server space the cost of maintaining that thing was yeah, huge yeah there you was know, no aws or you know like i was lucky i had a job in in san francisco that was paying me well so that's how i was keeping it going you know, yeah. so you're carrying and feeding of the beast. And yeah, yeah. You know, and truthfully, it was just a fun project yeah, for me. Yeah. You know, that's so. But cool. it would have been nice if I was able somebody was to say, okay, wow, we can make this thing big. Dude, you could have been the the first social network for <laughs> Africa, bro. For for diaspora. For the world. <laughs> even even I used to show my friends who are working with at the office. They were like, wow, can you create something like this for my group? Damn, can you create something? This is this, what's up and everything you know, this, this, I mean, people were asking me, like, how can you create an, a version of this for me? Wow, wow. It's just that nobody thought about how can this actually be, you know. A commercial problem. Oh, my just, network at that time was just limited because, you know, also the thing about it, it's like. It was desktop driven too and all this. No, this was all online. But the thing but is, it was, like. There was no mobile at the time. Like we know it today. Yeah, it, but even Facebook came before, before mobile. mobile. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You know? So that was that was my okay. Obviously, I'd done all the small things previously, but you know, when I look back, it's like wow, this was, this was it's a key learning thing in terms of my experience and what is possible and what can what how things can evolve and that counter you just need some counter intuition about what this could be. So every time I hear people telling somebody, man, this is not. Is, is worthless, you're wasting time, go solve a real problem. And it happens a lot here in Africa where people want you to go solve issues of employment, you know, food, uh, hunger, you know? That's what <laughs> excites people. Right. But, you know, I, I think we, people should be able to be frivolous. I mean, we're human beings. So, so here's the thing, that's, that's a very important point, right? Like, if you look at, uh, in the Bay Area, right? Like, yeah. people have developed the... I guess you would call it almost like a healthy respect and regard for the unknown, right? Yeah. Like, who knows what can happen? Over here, mm-hmm. again, it's like you got to ground yourself in reality. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to go, go to school, get a good education, get a good job. Yeah. And this very conservative, which doesn't, there's no audaciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. how I would kind of characterize yeah. that, right? Like, so people are kind of held down. I mean, even young people's imaginations are kind of told, ah, that's not going to work yeah. across so many different dimensions, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's very limiting, right, yeah. in terms of yeah. potential. Yeah. So, actually, funny thing is, when I had Levy, there's, there's a guy here, a friend of mine, he owns a chain of gyms right now. Mm. 
he was I mean we created this network of friends who are all over the US who we had never met and I, I can quote some of them who are involved in tech today so there's a friend of mine called Duncan we talked and he said oh I'm gonna put a video streaming thing on Levy so he actually had a live video where he was streaming he would stream his, his living room on Levy <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. You guys were ahead of so the time. He, uh, he moved out to Kenya, had a tech company, and he still has it, and uh, also is one of the owners of, uh, of Smart Gyms, mm-hmm. you know, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the people who actually was a member or a user of Mlevi is uh, Liko, Liko from... Augusto? Yeah. 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 From Pesapal. You know, and I'd never, I'd, I didn't, I'd never met Liko until I came to Kenya. <laughs> but we, you guys we, had, we, had, we had conversations online on, through Mlevi. Do, do you, see, do you know what you're describing? This, is, this yeah. could be the, the PayPal mafia, Mlevi mafia. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> if you it know? took off, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't else? like looking. It's, it's a fun thing to look back and say, yeah, that yeah, was fun. But again, people said, okay, you need to go do something serious. And, and so then, you know, I was working. Uh, I had saved some money. Then I decided to quit my job and go do something serious. <laughs> uh, now that's a whole other. Okay, so on this, I said, okay, what is the thing that I can? What's do? the serious thing? thing? <laughs> so I decided to go say, okay, we can go build a, a music platform. So we decided to build a music platform. You then, and the, I'm still working you? with Leo. I'm still working <laughs> with Leo. Uh, I'm still working with Leo at the time, and so we said, uh, we build this software that you know basically. Uh, I think at that time... It was the time was, of that was, streaming was, thing, that, that, what was that called? The, uh, yeah, uh, there was Napster, Napster and all those. Yeah. But also, um, Netflix was on the scene. And you know, remember Netflix used to send CDs, yeah, used to deliver CDs. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we thought, oh, wow, uh, we can create a custom CD compilation service. You go to our website, select songs, compile a CD, and, and we ship it to you. Ship to you. <coughs> We built a thing, we experimented, you click and you print out a CD with your songs and boom. So it's like, wow, we got, we've built this, we can have a business. So I took my savings, I'd saved, luckily I'd saved some money and, you know, started, but then the day I quit is I realized, that, man, I think I made a big mistake here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because the US is like a, a taxi, you know, it's like just that like... meter runs every day. <laughs> You know, if you had $10,000, $20,000, whatever, at the end of the month, it's, your rent is due, it's your $1,500 less. Right, right. <laughs> and, it just, and those months move very, very fast. Right. <laughs> very fast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man. So we built this thing, and um, so also, on, you know, I was always involved in, in, in music and entertainment, specifically a lot of reggae, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I knew these guys in Sacramento who have a huge catalog of, you know. But at the same time, I completely didn't understand the licensing part of it. Mm. I just mm. said, these guys have a ton of music, you know. They yes, can just give me a stuff. digitize it and put it, you know. <laughs> and so I started talking with them and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I said, this is real, this is real. I said, no, no, there's all this copyright stuff that needs to be done and you need all these lawyers. And I was like, whoa. No, but we had another friend in LA who also had a, a music label, you know, and you know he goes and he had all you know reggae is all about forty fives, dark plates. So he had all this music. Okay, great. So he tells us, okay, great. I have this. I have an office on Sunset. You can work from here, you know. So it's like okay, now we have this space on on. I still have my apartment in in the Bay Area. But I said, okay, I'm gonna spend a few months in Los Angeles trying to get this going on. So we have this space in, in Sunset Boulevard, and um, this guy has his, his record label. But the reality is that all this stuff was everywhere. It was not organized, well cataloged. But he says, hey, there's medis- there's there's music here. You can just digitize it and and sell on your on your system, you know. And then you're sitting there like, okay, yes, there's music here. Now we have a website. How do we get? I mean, it was just. And every every day you wake up morning, you're, the money goes down. Wow! You don't have a business. Obviously, even the fin- the product is not finished. Finished. Right. We're refining it. Right. And um, at the same time, my partner at the time was was going through some stuff. He decided also to move back to Kenya. 
So we kind of, I said, okay, great, maybe. When was this now? What was sometime in the mid 2000, early 2000s, uh, about 2003 or 2004. So I was like, okay, you come here, just probably you go find a market there. So he comes to Kenya and his career takes a whole different trajectory. <laughs> and this is Leo? Yeah, he, he ended up being on radio or something. You know, but but he's and, back in the states. Yeah, he went back, but he he did he was in Kenya for a while and okay. he was working in radio. That's his life took a different trajectory. So I'm here trying to to get this thing going. Is I mean I think you just many things going on. So that venture actually failed. But there's a lot of lessons learned in in, in that. Dude, um, you've done a few things, man. This is this is awesome. <laughs> but okay, when, when I look back at those things. I had no clue what we're doing. Of course, but damn, you're yeah, doing this. No clue, but there's a lot of lessons learned. Even even in the in the in the in the LA thing, there are things that we did that when I look back, I just smile. Like this guy who had given us an office, and we we're running out of money. So now, how do we? So it was okay. We are running out of money. We need to make money. So we lose focus. It's two things. I was always involved in music. So there are these DJs from. Japan, some reggae DJs called Mighty Crown, mm. you know, mm. and, you know, I got connected to them and say, hey, we can do a show in the in San Francisco, mm. and so we did a show in San Francisco and it was very successful. So we did that, have some money which can keep us going for a few more few more months, but we got greedy and like, okay, we can do this show in LA, man. So we, no, I don't know about LA, so but we got a booking and everything. We do a show in LA. It's very successful. We have the money, we say, okay, we have some money for a few more months. Nice. But after the show, we got robbed. What? <laughs> but how? We got the robbed lot? at gunpoint. Whoa. Uh, which was, part of LA is this? East LA, baby. <laughs> it was, uh, which part? I don't quite remember which part of LA it was. Damn. But, um, so somebody was just waiting for you guys. It was the security guys, really. It, no, it was not even, it was the security guys. Hey, hey. My man. Uh, Give me that money. <laughs> Straight up. You know. So at the end of that is like I was out of money. Everything was, you know, I didn't Wow. I I tried to put money into this other thing so I can get money to this other thing. And mm. It won't work out. The guy we're working with literally said, Okay, you guys need money. He pointed to some boxes and said, This is weed. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Go figure out how you can you know. <laughs> anyway, that story died. It's, it, that no, it's, that there's company a, exists. There's a story here, man. That company, really? that company exists as a website, as an entertainment website today. Which I don't, company? I don't, I'm not really involved in it. The one you set up? Or? The, the music company. It exists. It still exists as a website. What do they? As a website, but nothing website, Somebody else runs it. Or, you know. What do they, What do they do? This is a website about music. That is. That's it. It's a blog, actually. Somebody else runs it. Hold up, dude. <laughs> So what happened to the weed, though? Huh? <laughs> the weed, what happened, man? Uh, that's a different story. I don't really want to delve into the details of that. But, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of lessons learned into that in terms of... One of the things I learned is, is that I said to myself, if I ever do something around technology or startup, one, uh, at that time I'm, I'm learning how the system works. It's like, hey, it seems like everybody who's in this space is... At a top university, they're mm -hmm. at Stanford, Harvard, Harvard, Stanford, whatever. They're lucky enough from Berkeley, and you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. They also learned that if you want to really do a startup, you need to be the support system is key. Uh, like, because um, that that led me down to a spiral because after that I was gone, out of money, you know, out of you know when you've been out of the work. Out of the job space for more than more than a year, it becomes very hard to get back in mm. because, like, where have you been? Mm, mm, you know, and mm. technology changes so fast. Oh, now people who are on Java is a big thing. Now people are telling you, hey, you know Python? What do you mean you don't know? You know, <laughs> you don't have experience with. <laughs> They're asking you new questions like, what is? Do you know this framework? Like, what What do you mean this new framework? Yeah, yeah. It's like you've come from a, from, yeah, a, from yeah. a cave. And then <laughs> also, so you know, the other thing I also learned was that if you're building, if you're building, trying to build a startup, and you're the one who's building the technology, there's a good chance it's gonna fail. If you're the 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 key engineer, 
and the 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 owner of the idea. Mm, I'm, oh, I don't follow here. No, you you're probably gonna fail. What do you be mean? Because uh, people are gonna be waiting for you to give birth to this baby, so that you can move. Like, okay, I'm building X. Okay, I have one, two, three people who who believe in it. You know, who are these two, one, two, three people? They're your co-founders, your partners. You know, mm. so you you need to deliver pro product Y, okay. so that these guys can go out and sell, sell it. it. You know, so unless the two of you are really, really incinerate, but I, I think if you're the guy building that thing, you need to. Now you could be the guy who came, so who knows how it's built, but you need to quickly find somebody to build it, so that you can do what. So that you can carry the vision. Otherwise, you'll find the vision is so much in your head because you're concerned about building it daily. Dude, like this may be a sequencing thing, man. Like I'm struggling to understand. Maybe it's a stage. If, if you're the engineer and the visionary, you need to transition fast and to become either the visionary and so the product guy. You, you, or... need, you need to take that vision and give it to somebody else to help you build it as soon as possible. Otherwise, it's not going to move. So, okay, and maybe it's a bit, can become a little bit more weed, we can get into the weeds here, but you gotta have at least have an MVP. Yeah, you can build an right? MVP. So at what point can you say, okay, as soon as possible. What does that mean? When like, that MVP starts, once you have the MVP, traction, I think the first thing you need to find is find somebody to help you build it. So you want somebody to So you can go about, build a business. Fair enough. So you want somebody, yeah, you want to build a, a team that will take the, the, the features. Yeah. Right, that you whiteboarded. Yeah. Right, as you complete the product, mm -hmm. you need to build your engineering organization. Yeah. At least two or three people. Yeah. You need to that that thing you're building has to transcend you. Okay, fair enough. Do you think a lot of people fail to make that move, or why are you saying that right now? Yeah, that's a fail. lesson that you. That's a that's that's a difficult, and I think it comes down to being comfortable hiring people, or maybe comfortable uh, in the code too. Maybe being comfortable with, with your it's two sides. cave. It, it can be two sides, but you have to be very comfortable. Letting go? Letting go, or also paying people to do other things for you. I, I think the, super, su, 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 the superpower here is like, hey, uh, you need to be very comfortable. The idea of, when you're in the early stage, the whole idea of hiring somebody, it's very, very scary because you're thinking, I don't have money. I'm going to pay somebody to do this. I could do it myself. I can do it myself. And save money, the money, and save save the money, money. I don't have. You know, but you could think about it as like, or, or even when you're trying to hire, somebody's thinking about, I need to hire somebody. Um, okay, I'm going to pay this person. Let's say, if you say, I'm going to pay them 100000 uh, In my mind, I'm thinking, I need $1.2 million. To hire somebody because you're thinking about 12 months 12 months yeah but you can look at it like oh i need to hire somebody for three months you know i'll figure it out after and figure it out oh, by that time it'll give me time to go find that customer mm -hmm. and probably now start so that's creating so being comfortable so, without i think you have hit a very very important mm -hmm. point here right mm -hmm. you don't have to have everything mapped out 12 to 18 months down the road yeah you just need to say you know what we need to get to three months but being realistic. But also being able to transcend yourself, like find ways as soon as possible to get this thing from being so tightly linked to you in what you know in your head. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, how soon can you get manifest it in the world? Yeah, manifest it to other people. Yeah, and to the world. So when did you and? Dude, we, we got to wrap up here. I, 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 here's the thing. We need to bring you back for part two because we haven't even gotten to the... You're still... We're still in mid-2000 right now and you're doing some amazing stuff. <laughs> but your story is fascinating. We need to bring you back for part two. Mm -hmm. So now we can talk about the re-entry, your whole... Your journey is yeah, crazy because yeah. it's got all these amazing, I mean, revelations of cool yeah. stuff. And yeah. I think the, the, the audience can learn a lot from you. But in terms of just kind of wrapping up here, let's talk a little bit about now... Um, uh, you know, what is what are some of the top lessons you've learned? And I think you're, you're hitting on them right now. So one is transcend yourself early. Yeah, and I think for me is uh, 
I also learned that it was going to be almost impossible for me to build a startup in the US because I didn't have... Right now, it seems easy because they have a lot of systems in place. They have accelerators, they have all these hubs that are there to create a support system to help uh, people from non-traditional backgrounds to start startups. But I think the most important thing is having... Doing startups is a privilege. It's, it's, and specifically, if you're talking about you're trying to create a venture-funded... I mean, you, anybody can start a small business. But if you're trying to start, one, a business or something that is trying to find... Because a startup is an experiment at the day one. Mm. So you, you have to have a luxury to be able to experiment and to experiment with your life, essentially, and other people's lives, too. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's a luxury of having... Either you have some money somewhere, uh-huh. you have a support system, mm-hmm. Uh, and or yeah, so you so have either money or support system. And that's support system either is 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 you have you, you know that you know tomorrow I'm not gonna go hungry. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I have a shelter. Right. If worse comes to worse, I'll be, and I'll be that doesn't mean that it has to be you know super rich. You have a mansion or everything. But you won't be homeless. But you just know that you 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 have somebody who got your back. So let's talk about this, man. Let's tie this back to kind of like our society here, yeah. right? So doing a startup, like a real, not a small business, a yeah. company that can scale, yeah. right, is a privilege. An idea that's looking for a business model, really. Right. So how does that affect our ability to create these things? It, it creates difficult, but this, this, it doesn't mean it's impossible. Because again, it doesn't mean that you have to be super rich. It just means that... So for example, when I moved to Kenya, the person who supported me, in terms of trying to get started, was my brother. My brother told me, hey, uh, I know you haven't been here for many years, but you just go do your thing, I got you. So that was my first investor. That investment was not necessarily monetary. It was just that mental investment in me, you. like telling me, don't worry, do your thing. You'll be okay. You'll be okay, don't worry, go, go, go do your thing. It's not money, you know? So there are levels of that, obviously. Mm-hmm. There is that mental investment where somebody has moral support, moral support. Of, yeah, yeah. okay, the, the, the monetary support, mm-hmm. you know, then there is the financial support. So there are those opportunities at different levels. And, and the other thing too is, 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 is also kind of like finding the right partners to work with. That's a big one, right? Yeah, that's the right, right partners. I mean, we're having, uh, especially, uh, you know, when, when I think about how people traditionally have businesses, like, hey, I have this idea, you have 50%, I have 50%. Mm-hmm. But people's lives change and their goals change. You know, like for me, this thing which was exciting for me in 2019, 2020 may not be exciting for me, mm. but because you're on 50%, we are trapped. Mm. The know? alignment problem, it's yeah. just a big one too. Yeah, so, uh, but I mean, I, I think... But you can, you can solve that This can be solved nowadays. Yeah, but or something but like that. people didn't know. These are things that are surfacing. The internet is helping in spreading that knowledge. Right. But uh, but even even those things, as much as it's online, it's hard. Tough. I mean, if you go find, try to get a lawyer in Kenya, who can explain that to you? <laughs> they don't know. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, even them, they're getting up to speed. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're all getting up to speed. We're all getting up to speed. Even somebody like me, who's been in this for a while, all of these things. Every day, there's something new I'm learning. But you know what you're describing, man? You're describing the entire friction that lies between somebody who's young, yeah. right, without, who's talented, yeah. who's hungry, yeah. and the actualization yeah. of getting zero to one, going yeah. from zero to yeah. one, right? Yeah. There's so ma- many barriers to yeah. here that in the States, they've kind of, in a very real sense, kind of yeah. smooth, streamlined them. Yeah. I think we're trying here. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, I don't know what your view is, but... Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, this progress that's being made. My question is, is it reaching the real talent? Because I feel like there's two conversations happening. You know? mm. There's two parallel universes here. Because yeah. if you're a KU grad, for example, mm. or a UN grad, and you don't have those networks again, mm. right? Because, you know, yeah. the startup is a privilege, even here, right? There's, there's yeah. certain networks, you know? Well, uh, yes, I would say that. But I think, I, I don't, I don't want to go back and say... Because those networks or the networks that exist in Kenya are not necessarily networks to help people do startups. 
Okay. But so wait a minute. We're, we're, we're creating of, that, know, that, that. We're creating that, that, those opportunities. So right now. you can't say that there's a, a group of people who are insiders and they know these things. Yo, people. my man, I'm telling you right now, there is. Let me ask you a question. In the big scheme of things, all these things are new. Yes, but there are still those those now. They, they may not be local networks. Okay. You feel I, I'm trying to put it at the local level. But I, what just, I'm saying, what I understand I'm, the dynamics, the international no, dynamics. No, what I'm saying, no, no, I'm saying operating here, mm-hmm. non-local. Okay. Here's, what I'm, here's, here's my thing, Lewis. The net of it is it's a marketplace. Yeah, it's a marketplace. Right? Yeah. And so there are, I know this for a fact. Yeah. And I'll tell you. Maybe I'm so busy working. That you don't know. <laughs> that I, I don't pay attention to. <laughs> there are networks out here that mm-hmm. can access capital, that yeah. can access resources but uh, that have an easier time somebody saying look i put money into your stuff this is come on okay i i think okay let me let me let me step back a bit and, and think about uh there that is there in the same way that somebody can come from any part of the world and tap into the networks that exist there so it's not, they're part of a network of where they come from. And so even though that, that network eventually starts growing locally or building something locally, but that network, it's, it's a global thing or it's local to where they're coming from, you know? And then they're building an extension of that network here. And I think some of these things are gonna be there are going to be cycles, you know, there's going to be, hey, then there's going to be one person who's going to have an exit. Who's then going to have to start building their network? So it's not, there's one way of looking at it, like talk about how unfair, how it's not good or what we can do. But there's another way of saying it's like, it's a process. These things will get. And I'm worried not to, to try not to be cynical. Let me tell you something. I, I appreciate your kind of you know, uh, how do I put it, like, things will work out, yeah. but <laughs> for the longest time, uh-huh. if you look at Silicon Valley, right, mm-hmm. now, right now is when they're dealing with the diversity. Yeah. If somebody 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I said, yeah, it will work out, you know, it's, the networks will open up. Mm-hmm. Networks don't open up. What they do is they have a self-reinforcing mechanism of pattern but recognition you can, and people are comfortable You can say that about a lot of things, even within Kenya. But you, not, let me give yeah. you your own example. Uh-huh. You are in the Bay, and you know, you could never have gotten... You didn't have those networks. And so you built Malevi that could have been big. If you had the right access, maybe that thing could have been big. But you just didn't have it. Now, that's behind you. What I'm saying is... Well, what I'm saying it's is... Not, this. <laughs> it's still a struggle. It's not, it's not like, oh, the fuck they're doing this, like, you, you know, every, every, all the doors are... No, it's still... All I think s- the only thing that is going to change, that is going to make a huge difference, is if the major exits and those people then see how this thing evolves... Otherwise, it's... No, the exits are, they have to be there. Whoever is in the network, whatever, yeah. whatever. That has to be there. The question is, is this, right? Like, but, okay. This, this conversation about in, in investors, investment, is not really my specialty, to be quite honest. I'm, we're not even talking about <laughs> investors, right? Of money and all that. I, I can really mostly speak about my personal experience, my... Uh, what I've learned through my personal experience, there are things I think can be better. Uh, I think that whole thing about capital is almost a whole other dimension. That when I grow up, I might be on that side <laughs> to be able to say, okay, this I'm is. I'm not even talking about so much happens. capital. I think capital is part of the equation. Yeah. I'm just talking about the average person, like you said, doing a startup is a privilege, right? Before we even get to, you know what I'm saying? Is okay. And there are levels of privilege. It, there are levels of privilege, and it, it, I think you also realize it's, uh, it, it's like how many people have the bandwidth to be able to experiment with their life? Exactly. This is, this is what I'm saying. So, so if you look at if, <laughs> the reason why Silicon Valley continues to win is because the young people or whoever, they have the bandwidth. They have the bandwidth. Where does this bandwidth come from? Come from all the support structures they have, yeah. family wealth, whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. We can't afford to drop out of Harvard. Could you afford to drop out of Harvard if you're in Harvard? Can I even afford to get into it? <laughs> <laughs> my point being, 
if, if you look at now, okay, what are we saying? Because we need a, a, a quorum of talent that has a shot at yeah. doing something. It's not the, yeah. early on, at least in their life. Yeah. Be exposed yeah. to some of these things in a very real, practical way. Yeah. Right? So they can learn the skills, they can have a chance, they can, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. If we're not doing that, I don't know how we. I, I feel like there's a missed opportunity. Right? No, I, I think, like I said, I'm, I'm wired not to be cynical. So I'm always hopeful. Uh, or I've learned to catch myself not to be cynical. <laughs> how, yeah. how hard do you do that catching, man? <laughs> no, it's because I've, I've, exp- okay, if I go back and say, when, you know, remember the earlier conversation about, hey, we have assets that don't work, and then you say, hey, poster, it doesn't work. Then you start talking about this other thing. You say one, two, three, then you can start going, this, 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 you can start going on a level where at every step there's something that's not working that is broken that is is messed up and then it becomes like okay (laughs) let me just go home and sleep (laughs) let me just go home and sleep well i'm 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 on the hopeful side my my point being and i'm I'm not i'm not i'm not trying to be to be blindly hopeful and trying to be you know there's i understand the realities but if i can say speak of my experience through the stages we've been in building a company, uh, it's not just me and my co-founder. There's been a team of people. Right. And those people are learning and are part of that journey. There were people from building the software side of the business, building the metrics of the business, the financial metrics, building how we get investment. You know, There are people involved in that. And those people were right. local Kenyan people. That's awesome. And those people are probably going to work somewhere else. Right. And they're going to use that knowledge and apply that knowledge. You know? So, I can talk about, you can see the wider world, but I think for me, I'm looking at, you know, I hope this thing could happen in one year, that we have all these people, we've learned yeah. all these things, and then the next thing, you know? Yeah. But each of those people is going to learn, apply. Some of those people are going to go uh, abroad, take some of the knowledge, apply it there, bring it back network, build these contacts, and just build, build the ecosystem. So from my perspective is the little that I'm doing, uh, I think is contributing to a bigger picture. Right. Uh, and I also know that there are other companies doing similar things. So all these people, all this knowledge that is being built is going to come together to build this, this network. This is awesome. We should end on that note because that's... That's exactly right. Yeah. It's that network of people right now that you guys mm-hmm. are, are taking with you on yeah. this journey. Yeah. And everybody else is taking yeah. them on this journey. Yeah. So in 10 years, yeah. or five years, maybe 10 years, yeah. things will look very different, right? Yeah. In terms of, I mean, hopefully at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Mr. Majanja, dude, we need to bring you back for part two so we can hear <laughs> the journey of how you and Mr. Kentfield got together. Sure, sure. Because I'm sure there's a bunch of Amazing sure. stories in there. It's just a tame story. It's just about, hey, we met, we had coffee, we think our minds met and say, let's build, let's go. It's simple. It's not a complicated story. But that's, <laughs> that's, a, begin- that, that's a beginning, the, the journey, though. Yeah. I think the journey will yeah. be interesting. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming through. That was awesome. Great.